Hi, I'm Latresa. And I'm Clancy. And we are a mother-daughter duo that shares a love and admiration for all things Elvis. On this podcast, you can expect a deep dive into the life of Elvis Presley. We will discuss books written by Elvis's friends, family members, and others who knew him best. We will critique and enjoy Elvis movies, concerts, and music with those who grew up listening to his music, watching his movies, enjoying his concerts, and hopefully inspiring a new generation of Elvis fans along the way. With all the misconceptions surrounding Elvis, we want to remember his life and his legacy. The man, the friend, the entertainer, and the philanthropist. This podcast is dedicated to those of us who celebrate the life of one of the greatest entertainers of all times. Let's Talk Elvis! Hi guys, it's Latresa. Again, I'm flying solo. Clancy couldn't be with us today, missing her terribly bad. But I do want to say today is October the 2nd, 2023, and 69 years ago today, on October 2nd, 1954, on a Saturday, Elvis made his debut, his first and his last performance on the Grand Ole Opry. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about the Grand Ole Opry. And I don't know how many of you have been to the Grand Ole Opry, an amazing place. Absolutely love the Opry. And I have been there several times, Uh, love to go and hope to go more. Um, But I wanted to go ahead and get started on um, on our podcast today, Elvis and the Grand Ole Opry. So, once again, it was 69 years ago today. Actually, um, 68 years and 364 years ago today, uh, yesterday, um, Elvis, Scotty, Bill, and Sam had played Friday night. They played a gig at the Eagle's Nest, and they were loading up Saturday morning. They were on their way to um, play for the Grand Ole Opry. They were in Sam Phillips's four-door black 1951 Cadillac. They were 200 miles from Nashville, and they loaded up, and they were on their way. Um, at the time, Elvis's rendition of Blue Moon of Kentucky was near the top of the charts in Memphis, and everything was looking good for Elvis. Things were going great for him. And uh, Sam had been contacting Jim Denny, who was the manager at the Grand Ole Opry. And he had basically been consistently trying to um, convince Jim to put Elvis on the Opry. And at the time, Elvis was not your typical um, Opry material, I guess you could say. He was still on the rockbilly scene. So uh, Sam was very, very persuasive, and he finally got um, Jim to agree to put Elvis on a one-time spot on the Hank Snow segment. And Elvis was going to perform Blue Moon of Kentucky with the boys, Scotty and Bill. So... They've loaded up into the car, and they've headed out. Um, And at this time, Elvis was really gaining popularity, uh, of course, in Memphis. And uh, the Louisiana Hayride, which was a rival of the Opry in Shreveport, Louisiana, they wanted Elvis. Here Sam was, and Sam was really trying. He really, um, he he was really pushing Elvis uh, to the Opry, and um, 
And when Pappy Covington, who was the booking agent for the Hayride, had contacted Sam, Sam actually said that Elvis had a prior commitment to the Opry, which was a little white lie at that time. He was walking a really thin line, but he wanted Elvis to perform at the Opry, and he'd got his way. But he did tell Pappy Covington that as soon as Elvis finished his appearance on the Opry, that within the next couple of weeks, that they would come to Louisiana Hayride and that he would perform there. So um, Elvis and the boys get to the Ryman Auditorium, and the Ryman is a dilapidated old building, to their surprise. It has wooden pews for seats, but even though it's not what they expected um, in their minds, this is a place they had dreamed of their whole entire life. You gotta, you gotta think about how they had spent their um, their lives listening to the Opry and how this had been a dream as musicians. This was the dream come true. And so, even though it's it's not the building, it's not the Grand Ole Opry is not as grand as they had thought it would be. They have a strong, they, they feel the strong sense of history and the music that they've been listening to their whole lives. Um, in 1943 is when the Opry had moved to the Ryman Auditorium, but the Grand Ole Opry was legend. And I did a little bit of research and found out that Harry Houdini had actually appeared in 1924, W.C. Fields and Will Rogers in 1925, Bob Hope and Doris Day in 1949. Presidents had actually uh, given speeches there, Theodore Roosevelt, William Howard Taft. And then you had the musicians, the legends, Bill Monroe, Little Jimmy Dickens, Hank Williams. Actually, uh, we used to go to the Opry all the time, and I remember seeing Little Jimmy Dickens. We used to go uh, quite frequently there. We went through a spell where we went uh, quite a bit. We were, well, we still are big Brad Paisley fans, but we used to go every time that uh, Brad was there, we would go. When the Nashville, when the show Nashville came out, when they would have the performers from the Nashville um, television show we would go. But little Jimmy Dickens was a regular, and we really enjoyed seeing him. So that was something I thought of when I was, was reading this and um, and putting this together. But anyway, there were so many memories, so much history in that old dilapidated building. So you can imagine Elvis, um, basically, I just can't imagine walking a mile in his shoes that day. And uh, so he's at the Opry, and a 21-year-old bass player, Buddy Killen, comes up to him. All the musicians are in the back. They're all backstage. They're tuning up their instruments. They're getting their costumes on. They're having their makeup applied. They're fixing their hair. They're mingling. They're telling jokes. They're talking. They're having a drink. And um, Buddy comes up and introduces himself to Elvis, and he says, Elvis was so nervous. Elvis says, they're going to hate me. And Buddy says, they are not going to hate you. You're going to do fine. But Elvis said, if they'd just let me leave, I'd go right now. And I can just hear Elvis. You know how he stuttered. I can just hear him saying it. But one thing you got to think about, Bill Monroe was in the audience. Bill Monroe wasn't, well, he wasn't in the audience. He was backstage. Bill Monroe was known as the father of bluegrass. He was a regular on the Opry, and he was the songwriter of the Blue Moon of Kentucky that Elvis was getting ready to record. 
And according to some of the rumors, I guess, that Elvis and the boys had heard, Monroe felt like the sun version of his song was a desecration. And Sam Phillips had even heard that Monroe had threatened to uh, break Sam's jaw when he saw him. So there was a whole lot of nervous energy going on here. But at the fact of the matter, I found in several different places when I was doing research is that when Bill Monroe actually met Elvis and the boys, he complimented them. And he even went on a little bit later. Um, it's noted that uh, Bill went and re-recorded his song and put a little bit more pep into it. So you've got all that going on. You've got all everybody. I mean, I, you could just visualize what's going on. And this was 69 years ago today, which I think is really awesome that it worked out that way. So they're getting ready to go out and perform. We'll back up a little bit. If you remember Marion Kiesker, Marion Kiesker, I give credit for being the actual person who discovered Elvis. She was in Sun Studios when Elvis came in and made his first recording. She was the one who basically introduced his music, his record, to Sam Phillips, who was not there at the time. Sam Phillips was very influential, not trying to take away from him at all, but Marion was the woman behind the man. So anyway, Marion, she had to stay behind and keep the doors open. You know, the show must go on. She's at home taking care of business. But when she closes Sun Studios on that Saturday, she catches a bus to Nashville, and she surprises them by being in the audience for this performance. And also, Bill Black, Bill and Scotty's uh, wives, Evelyn and Bobby, they were told they couldn't come along to the Opry that night. There wasn't room for them to ride. They, uh, they, they didn't have room. They were all going in Sam's Cadillac. So they were to be left behind. And of course, they were disappointed. This was the Opry. You know, this was a big time. Uh, this was a very, probably, I guess, at the time, I'm not really sure. Everything that happened to Elvis early on was, was very significant. But this was a very significant thing for Elvis to be performing at the Opry. So you've got Marion Kiesker there. You've got Evelyn and Scotty there. Uh, Bill peeks out in the audience, and he sees them sitting on the front row. So they're all excited to death, and things are getting ready to happen. And I hate to, one thing that I hate to do is to give you guys information that I do not know as being accurate. And sometimes I find the information in several places, which is what I love to do. Sometimes that doesn't really happen. But what I did find, I tried to look, of course, this was audio and uh, it wasn't uh, there wasn't a YouTube of this performance or anything like that at the time, but um, I, I did read in one place where they didn't even get Elvis's name right when they went to introduce him to come on to the Opry. Do not know if that is fact or not, but I did read that at some place. But you've got Elvis, who is an absolute nervous wreck, and he's getting ready to go out for his first performance on a national radio broadcast. And so, whether they got his name right or wrong, you've got the audience sitting there and you've got Elvis and the boys. They rush out on stage like they're used to doing and they start singing their song. He's singing Blue Moon of Kentucky and it's crickets. You you have an audience of, of older guests, 
I, I would suppose. I'm sure that the Grand Ole Opry had regulars that came to the shows, and I'm sure the tickets were probably sold out in advance. I don't know that a lot of Elvis, true Elvis fans, had the opportunity to get into the Opry, but for whatever reason, apparently they weren't there. You've got uh, an older audience, and at the time, you got to remember just how controversial Elvis was at the time. And at the time, he was still known as a rockabilly. But he comes on and he sings Bill Monroe's song on a show that Bill Monroe is actually in attendance. And you've probably got a whole lot of Bill Monroe fans sitting in the audience. However you want to say it, everywhere I did read the same response that the audience responded politely. Over and over and over again, when I tried to find accounts of this, I found the response, the audience responded politely. So I'm assuming that they listened, they sat in their seats, they watched, and they listened, and when the performance was over, they clapped, and that was it. That was not at all what Elvis was used to. Elvis was used to getting a vibe off of the audience. You know, he would... Um, uh, he, you know, I, I don't know how many uh, of the early interviews he's like, they, I, I didn't know what I did. I came off and I asked what I do. And they say, don't know what you did, but go back and do it again. He would read the audience when he would do a move and it got a response. He would do it again. And Elvis was very shy. He was a very, very shy person. And this was, this was probably one of the most nervous performances he had ever done in his whole entire life. And he goes out there hoping to feed off of an audience, and he has a dead audience. So this is really, I mean, you, you just got to think about how what a sad time this really was. This, is, this has got to be, you know, this has really got to be nerve-wracking for him. And so uh, they finished their performance, and this is from Scotty Moore's book. He says that uh, they came off of the stage, and of course, you know, to the polite clapping. They come off of the stage, and... Uh, According to Scotty, Elvis goes over to Jim Denny and he says, well, sir, how do you think I did? And Jim Denny, have a little bit of background information on Jim Denny. He was known as one of, he became one of the most successful talent agents and song publishers in country music. I mean, he was inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame. The first man, I believe, that was inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame that was not a musician. So this man carried a great deal of clout in country music. And Elvis asked him how he did. And his reply is probably one of the most famous replies that he ever got. And he's probably known for this more than anything else that he ever did, including being inducted into the Opry as the first non-musician. He says, you ain't going nowhere, son. You ought to go back to driving a truck. I cannot even imagine. Cannot even imagine. So according to Billy, according to Scotty, Elvis was so mad, he tore his shirt into two pieces, and he threw it in the garbage can in the dressing room. I just, I cannot imagine how Elvis would have felt at this time. And so, I've, I've read several accounts. I've really tried to look at this, and, and I've not been able to find a lot of factual or things that were recorded more than once I know it's probably out there, but, I, but I've not been able to put my, my hands on it. Elvis was very mad. 
And I would say he was probably sadder than he was madder. But he swore to never return to the Opry. And you've you've got to, you know, he was such a compassionate, um, courteous young man, a Southern gentleman. And, you know, talk about not letting somebody down easy. Which we know, we know that that Denny was completely, I mean, completely out of out of line here. But I think a lot of it was not the right time for for Elvis. It was it was not it was not Elvis's time, and apparently this just ended up being a very sad event for Elvis. He swore that he would never return. In one account that I read uh, by Bobby Ann Mason. Her book is called Elvis Presley, A Life, and it was, um, it was published in 2007. And according to her, she says that Elvis cried all the way home from Memphis, all the way home to Memphis. Um, she says that he was so distraught, he accidentally left his suitcase at a gas station. Now that, that is something that I do not have I only found that in one spot. I looked in Scotty Moore's book. I I did not. I could not get the Kindle version of Scotty Moore's book. I I, I have ordered it. It will take it a while to get here. I'd love to have it in my my collection of books. But I did not be. I could not find Scotty Moore's uh, response of how Elvis reacted. I do remember somewhere. Sometime I read that he was very quiet all the way home. I'm not sure how he reacted. I wasn't there. But I can only imagine this was his dream. He had been been being so successful. It was actually 90 days after he had recorded That's All Right, Mama, that he stood at the Opry. And he was an invited member or an invited guest, actually, not a member, but he was an invited guest 90 days after his first performance. That in itself is history. I'm sure that, I don't know if we did the research, if I'd had time and thought of it, I would have. But if we'd done the research, how many country musicians can say that 90 days after they recorded their first record that they were invited to perform at the Opry? So Elvis had so much to be proud of, but... You know, at the end of the day, it, it wasn't a very uh, a very good experience for Elvis. And uh, Professor Christine M. McCuster, who is a uh, she's a history professor at Middle Tennessee State University, um, I have a quote from her. She said, "The Opry hated rockabilly. Take Elvis Presley. It's a shame that the Opry hated rockabilly because Elvis Presley loved the Opry." And so this was such a, a, a sad time for him. And, you know, it. I, I don't know what else to say about it. Um, we know that, thankfully, he didn't go back to driving a truck. And uh, he, did, he did prove himself over and over that he was um, the musician that, that he knew he was, even though they had, had uh, not received him there. And I just feel like, you know, you've got to look at, uh, the impact that Elvis made on so many, and and I mean, I just cannot imagine that this was was his that that this was his destiny. But I will go on to tell you, I will say that he was in 1994. He was inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame, and uh, and I, I've even heard um, I've even heard 
uh, Lisa Marie in in different um, interviews refer to her dad and his truck driving at the Opry. So um, it was it was kind of I guess it was kind of a running joke. But um, I looked it up on YouTube and I actually watched the the performance or the um, the. When they when they inducted him into the Hall of Fame, Winona Judd, who was actually wearing a a belt and a cape that belonged to Elvis, she and Travis Tritt they um, presented musical performances honoring Elvis, and uh, they did really good. They did a really good performance. And then uh, Priscilla was actually on. She she was uh, she actually came on um, in a recording and accepted the award. So. Uh, not the end of the story, definitely a, a sad low point in Elvis's career, but not at all to be anything that he shied away from or anything that, you know, he's just like a Timex watch. He took a licking and he kept on ticking. So it is important for us to note it that exactly two weeks after the, his performance at the Opry, he performed at the Louisiana Hayride and he signed a contract for a year to perform every Saturday night, 52 weeks at the Louisiana Hayride, and the rest, as they say, is history. So just wanted to share that with you and uh, and, and give you a little bit of uh, a taste of, of October 2nd, 1954. I want to tell you that we got, I have a lot of really good ideas and things that I, I'm excited about doing. Hate that I'm having to go solo. I miss Clancy terribly, but I, at this point, it's something that if we're going to keep the, the podcast going, it's something we're going to have to do for a while, and hopefully we'll just uh, get better and better and trying to save some of the big, more exciting episodes when we can actually record together. Um, if you are in the Knoxville area where Cassidy actually uh, lives, she works at a boutique and uh, she is on, uh, she's a graphic designer. She actually designs some of the, the, um, of the clothing that they, that the t-shirts and things that they have. She's very talented, very proud mama here. Um, but she is, this is the busy season. They're getting ready for Black Friday. They're getting ready. They're big UT. It's a real big UT, uh, boutique. They have a lot of, uh, of, of wear for the games. Game day collection is, is really awesome. And so this is her busiest time from now until probably the middle of January. She's, she's just, there's just no way that she's going to be able to help. Uh, Maybe during Christmas break for a day or two, I may be able to pull her away and get her on an episode. But the show must go on, so we will continue. But I want to tell you, in October, I am uh, working with an an Elvis tribute artist. I'm probably going to butcher his name, Matthew Zies. Um, He just won the European Elvis Festival in Germany. And he lives in Sweden. He is currently in New York City, I think, at this time. And uh, he, we're, we're trying to negotiate a um, or work on an interview, setting up an interview. He wants to wait till he goes back to Sweden. So I'm hoping around October the 16th that we're going to have an interview with him. And I'm really excited about that, looking forward to it. And um, I just want to thank you guys so much for listening. And I want to... Uh, invite you if you are not if you do not follow us on instagram on tiktok 
please please follow us. Uh, we we need all the followers. We need all the support, all the love we can get at Let's Talk Elvis podcast. We love hearing for you from you. I I, I love to to be able to. Um, get a little bit of encouragement from the reviews. I actually had, if I can find a couple of the uh, reviews that we got, I tried to uh, write a couple of them down, and I'm probably saying the names wrong, but Etho says it was an ec- an awesome episode. Great job. Keep it up. That was for the last week for taking care of business. I also have one from Jennifer. It says, great job on your solo episode. Looking forward to the next. So you guys keep that encouragement coming. I am trying to learn all the technology. Uh, the Clancy usually makes our reels. She puts our uh, our She does the TikToks. She usually does everything. I usually just show up and, and, and give you what I know and how I feel about everything. But I'm having to try to learn how to do it all, and it's kind of daunting, but, uh, but I'm trying. So just bear with me. But if you, if you will leave a review, if you'll let us know, um, what you think, if you have any ideas on how we can make our, podcast better. If you have any ideas for future podcasts, please let us know. Uh, Look forward to hearing from you. Keep talking Elvis. Um, Keep Keep on keeping on. Everybody have a great week. It is a beautiful, beautiful day here in October 2nd um, in the Great Smoky Mountains. And I look forward to hearing from you guys next, from this week, hearing from you guys. And I look forward to our podcast next week. Have a great day.